this life, gotta make your own deals Chase your own thrills, pay your own bills On the outer loop, sitting on chrome wheels Phone synced up to the newest chrome bills On air, who cares if it's right or wrong? I just care which guests they invited on Without a minute to stall And there was liquor involved with some hype songs And the night is young Right on cue, the talking begins And we check out what Steve Bills got on the blends A bit grimy a backdrop from the late 80s to the mid 90s Till it finally takes us to a rhythm that works And K. Chrome spits a verse that he didn't rehearse Both flex skills proving it's all in So gather round for the newest installment Chrome Bills Episode number 129 I'm very happy to say that we have the one and only Open Mike Eagle in the house tonight Good afternoon or evening or, or day. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's me. <laughs> I see the deepest greens, I hear the darkest blues. So we were just going to have you on for 90 minutes, but you're not going to say anything. We'll just play your songs for you. Uh, do you have, have, have in? Do I have to, do I have to stay? <laughs> do you have any requests before you go? Uh, actually, jumping right in, I have a question for you. I have an answer. <laughs> Meanwhile, back home, right, is the song that's on the Cool Keith album. Yeah, but you're the only is. person that rhymes on it. What's the what's it's the backstory true. on that? It's a banger too. Uh, the backstory is that I was asked to get on a song for the Cool Keith album, and nobody ever told me Cool Keith wasn't going to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> something told me that was the story, but I was wondering if there was like something deeper. Oh, you wanted to hear my shame? You wanted <laughs> to hear? It. Okay. Uh, no, I thought that's you were going to be like game. Keith didn't want to. He was like, oh, you killed it. That's where it is. I thought it was like an artistic decision on his part. Oh, I'm sure everything he does is an artistic decision. I was just, you know, I would hope somebody would have told me before I started, uh, before I started promoting the album as if me and Cool Keith had a song together. Nice. Before uh, so I thought my dreams had come true. Were you a big fan growing up? Oh, I love Cool Keith, man. The Dr. Octagon... Black Elvis sex style kind of era, like that's, hmm. and in a lot of the Ultra Mag stuff too. Like, I'm a huge Cool Keith guy. What do you stand on Matthew in his catalog? I don't remember it. Like, I think I heard it once right when it came out, and then I never went back and checked for it. So we talked about it once on an episode way back. Uh, he has a song called "I Don't Believe You," and it's literally oh, just- that song's <laughs> awesome. It is, yeah. That it, song it, is incredible. It's uh, it's. I think it might be. You work at Seven Eleven, right? I don't believe. You. I don't believe you. Like there was the ultra mad cool Keith who was just ripping shit, and then there was the cool Keith later on who really went artistically. You know, he was the archetype, and just that song is so simple. But I feel like if you played it for someone who had never heard of him, they'd be like, "Is this dude? Is he special?" But it's such a brilliant song out of his catalog for his style. Oddly enough, oddly enough, I grabbed some. Ultra Mag instrumentals for this one. Okay. Perfect. All right, anyways. So you mentioned that you had places to go. We know you've been really busy with the upcoming release of Brick Body Kids, Still Daydream. What's been going on? Uh, what went into making that record? Did you work with a bunch of different producers? Yeah, because I don't think I'm ever going to work with one producer ever again. Unless really? It's, uh, unless it's like, uh, I don't know, Quincy Jones or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't see that in the cards for me anymore. I, don't, you know, it's, it's good in terms of the cohesion you get working with one person, but I just, I tend to like different kinds of sounds, man. So, you know, and and I like having the authority to um, make all of the decisions. I'm a megalomaniac too, right? So, uh, so for for the listeners at home, the albums that you've done with entirely one producer is just. Exile or who? Who am I thinking? Paul no, uh, I did. A, I did a, the last album I did was with Paul White. Uh, that's Hella Personal Film Festival. Ah, oh, that's right. And then I did an album with uh, Awkward called Animal Hospital. And I love both of those records, mm. but um, just the process of making them, like you know, it's just it's just not my comfort zone. I'm, I'm not a very good collaborator. Well, it's interesting because on your records, you tend to have, like, I know, like, Hannibal Burris, the friendship, I was blown away to read that you his, you were his RA in college, and that's yep. where that friendship developed from. Um, when you're working with 
a lot of different producers, you feel like it gives you more. You can just say, all right, I've got your track. This is what I'm going to do with it. You're saying that to 12 other people, and therefore you have more control over the product as a whole. Right. And if and if I don't, if, if me and that person disagree about anything, I can just scrap the song. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't. Right. At the end of the day, I don't owe anyone any explanations for anything since my name's going to be the lead name on the work and I have to stand behind it. Um, and I think I just kind of prefer that rather than because, you know, I tend to work with producers who maybe aren't as like our our project isn't leaning on their promotion as much as leaning on mine. Right. Um so I feel like, you know, I, I really have to stand behind it in a way that they don't, you so know, and I think it's the Paul White connection. Like, how did the connections with the different producers uh, come about? And then how did you decide to just work with one on a, a particular record? Um, I think it was a situation like I, I, I met Paul White or I got Paul White got in my orbit because he works a lot with Homeboy Sandman. And I really like the records that they make together. Um. And when it came to making the album, I think like, you know, the label that I'm on wanted to try that like as a as an experiment, as a um, as a presentation style, um, you know, me with one producer to kind of see how that worked differently or better or worse than the way that I usually assemble records. So and, you know, and I was down to try it because Paul's like super talented. He's incredible. Um, you know, I just think at the end of the day, with the with the research that that experience gives me, I'm kind of like squarely in the space of not wanting to do that anymore. Right. <laughs> now you mentioned the label that you're on, Mellow Music Group. Is they how uh, how much how many fingerprints do they have on any given project that you release with them? Nothing really. Oh. Nobody ever puts. Fing- I be wanting the label to put fingerprints on my stuff. Sometimes right. no label I deal with ever does. They always leave me alone too much. Mm. What would you like? I got nobody to, to you- blame. You know what I mean? If something right. goes wrong, <laughs> right, right. I told you it wasn't going to work. Right. Nobody says that ever. Right. Uh, what would you like to? What kind of direction would you like them to give you? Um. I think I would like to work with a late. Like I think what I missed. Um, in my career was the A&R era where right. like somebody from the label actually worked with you on putting an album together so you'd right. have some guidance on like oh this is a strong song, this song isn't as strong as this song, maybe you should sequence things this way, like I don't ever really have that and I feel very like on my own with that and like I right. feel a lot of pressure to like really get it right and I feel like a lot of times I'm you know I'm just kind of doing it all by myself from a, from a mellow music perspective the celebrity reduction player which ended up on the compilation, right? Yeah. What uh, I, I it's one of my favorite songs of yours. So what was the, what was the negotiation and thought process that that ended up on the compilation as opposed to one of your own songs, or did you specifically write it for the compilation? I wrote it for the compilation. Um, okay. that was a situation where the label got me a couple beats from from Odyssey, um, to see if there was any interest in doing something specifically for the compilation, and so um. That one was very much like was curated in as much as a song with me can be curated. Friend of the show. Actually, ironically, the Odyssey interview on Chrome Bills was the day you were taping that video in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, came... really? The one he went to? Yep. Yeah, he yeah. yeah, he came from here to go to the video shoot, I remember. That's amazing. So yeah. it's interesting. We uh there's three hosts for Chrome Bills. Uh, I'm C's Mike's K Chromosome and Steve Jarek. We all grew up in a county in maryland so we all know each other uh from when we were younger and then met uh, chuck eventually went to college but we all knew odyssey because we were sort of in the the same local scene and Mm. so i don't think we knew that he was going to work i mean it made sense once uh once you joined up with mellow music group but i think the first that we had heard that he was going to work with you was at the end of the interview he was like i I gotta bounce i'm gonna go like uh be involved in a music video with open mike eagle we were all like holy shit because we were already right yeah Truth be told, he was in my apartment uh, going right. to the video, and on the interview, you might even hear me trying to like get an invite. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, uh, where is this Bushwick? Right? How are you going?" Yeah, from it was here? a house party too, man. You guys would have been welcome. <laughs> it's a great video. Yeah, it was. That was. Yeah, that one turned out epic, man. 
I was really happy with that. To, I mean, to that point, too, I mean, it, it, we were, we've talked quite a bit, you know, about how mediums have changed and how music is delivered, you know, in the last 10 years. But, you know, it, we're all in our uh, mid-30s. Some of us are creeping a little Ooh, bit that's above that. close to the late right, 30s right, 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 now. right. Uh, but uh, we were talking about how videos have really, you know, it, it seems like you, you kind of have to have a video for almost every song on the album. Your videos are always incredibly creative. The one uh, that really got me open was full of informations. How do you, oh. how do you, do you put together the scripts? What's the process for creating the videos? You know, it's, it's different every time, man. Um, a video like information, um, I think I, like, like the guys did it. His name was Jay. I think that was all pretty much him because he knew, I mean, because obviously we didn't have very much budget and he knew that in After Effects he'd be able to like right. do the effect of like having the, the, the data and the, elect the, the electrons and shit coming out of the streets and into right. my brain. Right, right. And so, uh, you know, so a lot of that was me just trusting him. Like walking, I'm walking down the street just like doing nothing and just trusting that he's going to put something there later. <laughs> right, right. That's perfect. Or the video that you guys did for qualifiers where you just go to a laundromat. I mean, those oh, are so those kind of very simple, brilliant ideas that really add a new dimension to the song. Yeah, that, and that was another one. Like, somebody brought me that idea. Because um, that's the kind of, I never would have did that on my own because I don't like messing with people. Like, I right. really don't like getting in people's lives right. when they haven't right. invited me there at all. So, like, I never would have thought of that on my own. But they, uh, the people who shot it, um, they came up with the idea. They went and scouted the location. They talked to the management and just kind of peeped it out and said, "Hey, let's do it." You know, right? And, and is it safe great. to say that was in one take, like that you guys just rolled? I think it was two takes. I think it was two okay. takes. Yeah, we did it twice, and then but we hide the videos all one feed, right? You just used the second take. Yeah, I think that's. I think I think we did because there was no cutaways, right? I don't. I don't no. believe so. I mean, I'm I'm thinking back in my head, and it definitely if there's there might be one slick cutaway in there somewhere, but it, yeah, it definitely it feels like isn't. it goes. Because we definitely only, yeah, we only performed it twice, and I feel like we probably used it the second time because, like, that was, that was actually the first time I ever performed that song either. Wow, really? So it was, it was a lot riding on that take. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the well, ninety-five radio video that just dropped recently. Uh, I noticed you putting like a little bit more of your personality as opposed to just showing up and doing the song, in particular, in that video. Is that a, yeah, a I mean, conscious decision or something that the producers of the video are pushing you to do? Uh, I I kind of curated this all my videos for this new album under this um, umbrella called Dark Comedy Television, which is like me having a fake cable network. Pebbleman. These videos. <laughs> Say what? It's Pebbleman, right? Yeah, Cam Pebbleman. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the news anchor on Dark Comedy Prime News. And um, so he's involved in a couple of the videos. Um, the one I dropped today was a superhero video, like it was like a superhero origin story, like Green Arrow right. or something like that. Right. So each each video is like a television show on the network. So a lot of it is me okay. playing a ton of different characters and doing a lot of different stuff. Right. That dropped today, actually, right? Or yesterday? Yep. Just dropped this morning. So uh, two of the three people, you're going to be shocked to hear that we actually have day jobs and don't do this podcast for a living. <laughs> but What? <laughs> But two of us are, are are civil engineers, so we're like we're in development. And just listening to it today, it feels like there's a lot of uh, like the themes and, and undertones of the song are about like it reminds me of reading. You know, I, I live in New York right now, and like when you go to move from one place to the other, and it's like a post-war building or all this other shit. Like, was that is that kind of where the theme of the song of the brick body? Like, is it is that where what, you're going what, with what, it? What, what, can, can you you said post-war building? What's that? Uh, they'll like describe that as like the time period in New York where something was built. So I guess there was a oh, influx okay. of money right. after Got World it. War II, and then so like everyone and I think mechanical engineering changed. So in terms of like insulation and ventilation and all that, they'd be like it's a pre-war or post-war. Mm -hmm. And I just like hearing this sort of the 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 words because as as a rapper, it's always fun to have the new words to play off and rhyme with. It seems like a lot of development words to me, like a lot of like architecture and construction words going on in that. Am I am I picking up on that correctly? Yeah, because it you know it's all about the uh, the Robert Taylor homes in Chicago, the uh, housing project, and um, in in writing the songs, you know, I really I did kind of dig deep into the formation and, and policies surrounding those being built. 
uh, and what they meant at the time they were supposed to be. Like, they were built, I think, in the 50s, so I guess this is post-war. Um, and they were, like, you know, the epitome of, like, modern apartment design at the time. Like, these big, at that time, beautiful high-rise buildings that people were, like, excited to move into it, and they quickly went to shit. And then, um, you know, 50 years later, they got kind of unceremoniously torn down. And, um, you know, a lot of the album kind of comes from exploring that. Um, okay, so that's the part that, I missed, is that this is about specific buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Specific. Did I mean, you, I guess it's about... The, st the story, or it's inspired by the Robert Taylor homes, but in a sense, it's also just kind of about housing projects, like especially high-rise ones in general. Right. Well, you're, uh, being that it's the, that building is set in Chicago, you're originally from Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, did you have experience with that particular housing development? or? Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of family there. Gotcha. And then you moved uh, – did you move to L.A.? I'm not quite sure the timeline of when you ended up out there. Uh, my father has always lived out here, so I've come back and forth out here kind of all my life. But uh, I moved out here permanently in 2004. Okay, it's it, it's interesting because it seems like uh, your writing has taken a, a it's become a lot more refined just as you've gotten older. But there's a different tinge to it uh, now that you're set more out in LA. Have you noticed that? Um, what, what can could you be more specific about? Um, Please elaborate. I, what does a right. tinge mean? What do you mean by okay. tinge? <laughs> so, and I don't know how much of this has to do with working with one producer, but I felt like Hello Personal Film Festival, it's a very, a lot of your other, the previous albums, uh, and again, I, this might have more to do with where you were at as a person as, and as an MC, but there was a lot more, you know, pardon the pun, but open mic to it. You know, just sort of like the themes and everything were one-offs song to song. Whereas I felt mm. like Hella Personal Film Festival, you know, obviously dark comedy, there's a theme throughout the entire album being dark comedy. Like it's almost set well, like it's a TV show and Hella Personal Film Festival. It's almost like there's like a whole film going on about your personal life. But there's a there, there's less of the I want to impress you with my rap skills aspect of right. it. And there's more right. just a, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. But yeah, you're right. That's that's I think more about the space I'm in in life. I mean, I've been bored of like the, you know, rapping just to rap thing for like mm. a really long time, but I, right. I didn't, I wasn't able to find something else to do uh, for a while after I became bored with it. So even when I was doing my first albums, like I, I think I was trying to be uh, a lot more thematic and content oriented than too. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, just straight up emceeing is always like part of my DNA. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I'll ever really like all the way get away from that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely influenced and encouraged to like try to find different styles, and, like try to find different ways to flip things. I and mean, different beats encourage me to do that, too. Right. What? Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, well, being with, uh, you know, Bus Driver, No Can Do and Milo, like those guys are always inventing new styles. I mean, I'm sure it never gets bored, you know, with the Hellfire Club. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you know, we all. I mean, aside from Milo, but even though my, my even at this point, Milo does like we all kind of line up with the Project Glow lineage, and that whole thing mm -hmm. was about exploring and try to find and flip new styles like all the time. Right. Well, that's what always sort of grabbed me about your writing style. I think uh, a long time ago, Lewis Logic told me he's like, "You got to check this guy out." And then when I first got into your writing style, it's did you get the name Open Mike Eagle from Open Mics, or was that just you just slapped Open Mics? Yeah, Mark? it was from Open Mics in college, but it it was like it was more about what an open mic meant than me actually like going to a lot of them. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. more about like I was the guy on campus who would rap all the time. Like I was right. the freestyle on the corner. I'll, I'm in all the battles type guy. Uh, more than it was me actually like being at a ton of open mics. I wish I could have been more. What, what, uh, that, what college was this? Southern Illinois University. All right. And that's that's sort of what I was getting at with your writing style was that early on it was, and it, I don't mean this in a negative way at all, like it sort of lends itself to the open mic style, particularly if you are freestyling uh, at an open right. mic. It's very deliberate. And I feel like as you've grown, as you're writing thematically and just, you know, you've gotten better as an MC, uh, that deliberate style has become a lot crisper. 
you know, over the yeah, years. You know, I mean, you know what a big part of it is, is that, like, me being a street corner type MC, you know, like, cypher type guy, uh, I was well versed in that, but I didn't really know how to rap in a studio for, like, my first two and a half albums, man. I just really didn't know what I was doing in the studio. Like, So how did you do I, them? Were you were you engineering it, or did an engineer work with you? I never had an engineer. I always recorded myself. Interesting. And um, but even when you know, even when I did go work other places, I mean, I just mean, I mean, having the acumen in the sense that like, no engineer is really gonna know what to say to you if you just don't know, like your body just doesn't know how to do it yet. Right. You know what I mean? And so it was really just more about me having the exposure of listening to my own voice back enough to understand like the different ways I need to rap when I'm rapping into the capsule of a condenser microphone versus when I'm trying to impress people in a circle outside. Right. You know? Right. Right. Well, throughout your, uh, your songs, you definitely sprinkle in mentions of dealing with your own equipment. Do you record now at your own place or where does that take place? This, this the, the album I'm about to put out is the first one that like I demoed it all at home. Mm. Okay. But then I, um, I actually went and redid all the songs at a better studio. Gotcha. That's the way to do it. Yeah, apparently it is. <laughs> I was just, I was just well, too lazy and self-satisfied to do that before. Do you ever get demoitis where you do, you do it in a studio and get 30 takes there, but the demo sounds better than anything else? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly there's a there's a sliver of that in all of them. I, and, I, and yeah. you know, I think that that is the trade-off. Like, I'm going to get a better, higher quality recording, but I'm going to lose a little bit of the raw edge I have when I'm by myself and the stakes are lower. Mm. Right. Mm. With kind of going on that theme, do you have a bunch of songs that you've only demoed that have not come out? And like how, so how big is that catalog? Songs. So many. Like a hundred. Like a hundred yeah. even. And who wow. are the producers of those songs? It's just various. It's like oh, a bunch of people were mad at me. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably the best answer to that question yeah. I've ever. No, you know, because I'm, I'm telling you, like two, three times a year I get an email from somebody and be like Hey yo, uh, can I put this song on something? And I'm like, no, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, you cannot yeah. Do that. Like, yeah. No, this song is not good. I'm sorry, it's not. Uh, and I'll say it in a way where I'm like, oh, I never got the right take on that. Not saying the part where I'm like, I'm never gonna get the right take. <laughs> Spare their feelings. You're like, it's it's me, it's me, not you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So to that point, I mean, in terms of the sheer volume of the amount of songs you have, you strike me as the kind of guy that has like a notepad on his iPhone or like his hands are constantly covered in like ink. Do you come up with couplets or rhyme schemes and stuff and just keep track of that and then copy paste them into songs? Or do you always write when you get the beat? Yeah, I write to beats. I never really write outside wow. of that. Um, okay. I um, Occasionally I'll keep a, I'll keep a log of kind of like, interesting things to say but i won't really structure them until i have the beat that i want like i don't okay. i don't like trying to like write a verse and then fit it to a beat later like that bothers me mentally right some of the I'll word combos like though i wanted to believe that you were tracking those somewhere and you weren't in verse three and being like oh this is this is a perfect rhyme because there's some of the uh you know one of my things that's uh, like my favorite thing about mcs that i like is the the two and three syllable rhymes where they're just fucking from out of nowhere and I feel like yeah. that's certainly a strong part of your repertoire. So maybe yeah, it's just I, like I, you're I, like, I got this and this that rhymes, and like I'll put it into a song one day. Uh, no, I mean occasionally, but not not often. Like I like to, I like to let um, let the momentum or the moment of that song kind of guide me to those. And I like to stumble upon a word and be like, okay, this is a word I haven't rhymed with yet. Let me try to find like the flyest rhymes to go with that one you know so well, it, that, i like to do that because it comes off it comes off a little bit more conversational because i actually on a sorry cool but on the um one of our recent episodes i was talking about how occasionally when rappers get buzz they start doing weaker stuff on people's collabos right and i was making uh -huh. a point that i think you're the opposite of that and the song i was pointing to was uh the wax album Right, where it's like, oh, uh, yeah, lackadaisical. Yeah, yeah, lackadaisical. <laughs> Half Ikea, brand new thing, but it's a bad idea. Like, it's, so I, I was thinking that you just had this repertoire of all these rhyme patterns, and you're like, oh, I'll just play with some of them on this beat. 
But it's interesting yeah. to think that you're actually getting loose on that beat and just being like, I got 16 for this. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and, and it, it, it took me, it took me, you know, a, a few hours to write that. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, um, I just wanted to kind of match his energy. And, um, did you come to get Gatorade? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, an invasion of the children people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got two more guests on the show tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it just means you got to split your appearance fee with them, though. <laughs> split. But yeah, no, I um, I, yeah, I, def I definitely like to let the let the let the energy of that um of that moment kind of guide where I go with the words, um, and because you know sometimes too, like because I'll I'll keep those long logs of things like, um, keep all these couplets and keep all these, and then I'll forget I have them. Right. When, right. When, right. <laughs> When right. I go to write, and I end up having to start over from scratch anyway. See, it's funny because I feel like doing that, creating that log, and then eventually forgetting about it. It's it's like uh, the reps that you did to build up the muscles to actually do it when it's time to to sit down and write. But you strike me as the kind of guy like you'll get to you'll be in a rhyme scheme, and you'll get to the fourth bar where you need to have something to end the rhyme scheme, but you don't settle for the easiest one. You'll go. No, for I the can't most... do the easiest one. Right. I'll feel bad. Right. I'll feel right. really bad. That's that's a writer's writer right there. You know, we did you guys really go did you it. did you guys used to listen to the uh to the outsiders? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. See, I like they they like the the, the outsiders in me won't let me settle mm, for right. like the weakest one. Like the young Z and the pace one, right, yeah. right. Slang ton in me, they won't let me. Like, you know, and if I've heard somebody do it, I can't do it. You know Can you give me a favorite outsider? That's always an interesting question. Um, I mean, it's probably it's got to be Z. It's got to be Z. Um, but I love them all. I really, there's there's bars from Young Z, from Pace, from Digger, from Slang Ton, from Yaya. Like, hmm. there's bars from all of them that I like. Yo, bitch said aliens fucked her and her four friends. But it, it was, was all the out we dressed up as Martians. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! I mean, that's a tough question. I think if I, if I put it on myself, I'd. I would like begrudgingly go pace, and then I feel like I was doing Young Z and Rod Digger dirty. So it's like that's always. An hey, Pace voted for Trump. You know that? No. What? Did he really? What? He really did. What was his rationale? Was he trying to sell records? He just thought he just thought it would be a really good idea yeah, if we suddenly amazing. had a better relationship with Russia. Like uh -oh. he like to the point. <laughs> <laughs> he literally tweeted that, and I was like, "Oh my god, are you Nothing, serious?" The next album with Mr. Green is like, "There's no colors like white and red." <laughs> Oh, there you go. There you go. You missed the red, yeah. Wow. We, we almost did made it one episode without talking about him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I ruined, I ruined it. Damn it. Oh. I, 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 what's so, I mean, that's one thing. Your, your music is very upfront about your views on what's going on with race relations and everything. How, how do you feel about Trump? <laughs> oh, God, he makes me he makes me hurt. He makes me yeah. hurt bad, man. Like, just, just frustrated and depressed all the time. Like, yeah. I don't really know... Um, I still don't quite know how to deal. Like, um, I, um, you know, there's just been a stress in the air since he got elected. And that's the thing is like a lot of my album is just me trying to process the stress. Like not even, you know, some of it is, is getting at him directly, but a lot of it's just trying to process like yeah, the darkness. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting because I remember, I think we recorded an episode like two days after the election. And I, I definitely see uh, here's another. I'll get back to that point in a second, but I'll never forget this. You know, this show is three white hosts. Any anybody that I talked to that wasn't white, none of them were surprised that he won. They're like, I fucking told you. Like, I actually uh, a Persian friend of my mind won like a couple hundred bucks betting that he was going to win. Mm. I, you know, I, I feel like we were, you know, as, as left leaning white people, we were to totally taken aback. And so the shock of that, I'll never forget when we were recording the album or recording a, an episode. I looked over at Steve. I was like, it's, you know, we're going to get through this, man. It's going to be all right. We were all so bummed out. Were you surprised or, I mean, did that, that fog is still hanging over you? Um, I mean, there was the initial shock for sure. And then, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of how I've processed the stress of it is to try to piece together how we got here. Um, but I mean, that process is slow by the fact that there's like some new trauma part of it every day. Basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot to deal with. Yeah. 
you just gave us the talk to the hand. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. Thanks, I gotta. Man. I gotta no. make sure. Yeah, we still got you. We still got you. You still got me. Okay, great, great. It's a little. Uh, it's a little crackly. Okay. Well, I, I just. It should, it should be better now. Yeah, it's better. It actually sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I gotta ask a question just to make sure we get it in. Oh, I think we lost you. You still say there, it right? again. Say something. Oh, there we go. All right. Yeah, I got. Sure. I got a question. I gotta. I'm a super huge fan of Ron and Fez and now Bennington. And I've obviously yeah! heard you do I've heard you do the, I mean, we're from DC, so they were on uh, 106.7 before they bumped up to XM. So I'm probably 98 was when we started hearing those guys, or maybe it was like 2000. And then I followed them to XM. I've been a huge fan. I still listen to Bennington. I think Gail is a great addition. Like I have all sorts of opinions. The I know that I've heard you. I miss, the I miss Fez. I miss I miss Fez a lot though. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think the the theme song is as someone I'm like one of the you know 10% of their fans that are actually into hip hop where I was like yeah. yo there's an open mic eagle theme song for Fans <laughs> and I had a bunch of hip hop fans that were like what is this podcast like <laughs> I felt like I was in a very small Venn diagram and then I want to say yeah. that I've heard them so I I don't have XM I have Audible and I want to say I've Yeah I did I do the same thing I use Audible and download it I've heard them talk about you being on the show, but I don't know if I've ever actually heard you on it. Have you been, I've been there? on it? Yeah, I've been on it like five or six times in person or called yeah, in. Yeah, in person, in wow. person. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing. Like I, I did it three times when Fez was still there. Wow. How did you get linked up with them? Uh, through the song. Oh, so you made the song, send it into them, and then they hit you up. Well, I made. I, okay, I've been listening to them forever. And then I made the song and kind of shared it. I shared it with um, some of their fans that I was connected to on Twitter. And some of them had kind of ends with them. And so they sent it to them. And then they actually played it on the show, expecting to hate it. And then they all were laughing at it. And then, um, and then the interns who were there at the time were really down with it. So um, I talked to them and eventually uh, when I was in New York, I asked, could I come on? And they were like, yeah, now I have like wow. a relationship with them as hosts and uh, the producers. Right. It's that kind of organic growth that I feel like your career has had. You know, it's funny you mentioned one to work with an A&R, have more label fingerprint. I feel like I'm sure it's been a lot more difficult and there hasn't been you haven't always felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel. But I feel like those kind of turns for your career have been so organic and it's really made your fan base that much more loyal. Like you're not foisted upon audiences, you know. And so is yeah, the- but I, I'd like to be foisted on some people. I would like to see what that feels like. <laughs> Have a little foisting happening? happen. Do you, do you see that? I, happen? I don't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> is the clip that's at the end of Golden Age raps like that? That's a Ron Bennington clip, right? Where he's like, "That is Ron and Fez talking about how they don't have rappers on." Right. So, is that where is that in the timeline of all this? Just so I can piece it together, is that? pre the you doing the being on the show or is it somewhere between the theme song yeah, and being on the show or that was i want to say that was before i ever even made the song okay yeah that was just something that they just just a break they went into one day that i um and since i have it all on audible i was downloading mp3s of it i was able to just kind of chop it up and put it in a song and it's like sped up a little bit to align yeah. with the beat or something. Yeah. Well, no, just to I just wanted to mask their voices a little bit, so so people wouldn't immediately go and tell them that I. <laughs> put them in. I remember I pulled it on the first listen because it was like, all right, I'm gonna break here, and I was like, wait a second, that's I, that was definitely Ron Bennington right there. Holy yeah. shit, that's amazing. And what's the most recent time you've been on the show? Uh, I feel like I was on there less than a year ago. I was in New York to do a live version of the New Negroes, and I stopped through there to uh, to talk to them and promote it. So for our audience who's not familiar, the New Negroes is a show that Comedy Central will be putting out. Uh, you linked up with them, it seems like, in April. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come out. We haven't shot okay. it yet. So okay. um, I don't um, like Right now we're still in a stage of like, hiring all our staff and all that so uh who's to say when it will be on television but they have agreed to pay for it so we're gonna trust it again congratulations man right yeah thank you yeah Yeah, that's absolutely amazing 
Yeah, no, it's, it's it's pretty cool, especially at this part, because we don't have to actually do anything yet. Just, right. just get, <laughs> get congratulations <laughs> from people. That part is fun. <laughs> All right, now, are you are you just strictly writing on that? Are you performing on the show, too? Uh, it's a live comedy showcase that I co-host. I co-host the live version, and I'm co-hosting the televised version, too. And I'm going to be doing music on the show as well. Okay. Where are the live versions held? Uh, in L.A. at the UCB theater uh but we've we've done it around the country too we've done it in, in new york san francisco denver portland uh we do it all over hmm. planning to do it in new york again anytime soon was really where my question was going uh, i mean you know but when we when we do it around the country it's because some comedy festival books us so we never know when that's going to happen until it happens kind of thing okay. yeah gotcha. and you were also on the eric andre show right yeah, I didn't know. I didn't make a televised version, but but I was there, <laughs> and, I'm, and um and I'm on the internet getting beat up on the uh on the obstacle course. So obviously, Hannibal is the uh, the co-host of that show. I, I, I mean, my question is pretty straight to the point. How fucking crazy is Eric Andre? Um, he's he's not really crazy. Like he's not a person. Like I've been around real crazy people. Right. Right. Like. Real crazy people don't get television shows because they don't show up to places on time. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like... It seems like he, like, he really thinks his, thinks all of this through. It's not, like... It, absolutely. And it's, yeah. it's all from a very specific point of view, yeah. and it's all an extension of, like, what he had been doing as a stand-up for, like, years and years and years and years. Right. He's got the Tim and Eric, like, let's just take this as yes. literally as far as it can go. It's exactly. like Tom, Tom Green, Tim and Eric or something. Yep. Kinda. Yep. All of those, all of those influences, like, you know, it's all in some senses, like social experiment, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, the ranch me bro guy, that guy, I mean, the, the whole thing is just how, how far can I take it before? How much ranch can I pour in your lap before you punch me in the face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, see, Eric's the kind of guy who would have made the music video in a laundromat. I, however, right, right. am not that guy. Right, right. So, how did he end up with what so many? Like, obviously, do? you have a connection to Hannibal. Like, how did he end up okay. with so many different rap acts? Is that just the circles that he runs in? Who, Eric? Yeah. Uh, Eric has always had rappers on the Eric Andre show. I think the first episode had like Killer Mike on it. Like, yeah. right. On a um, treadmill or something, right? Or was something. It, no, it was, I Bronson, think, was it Bronson in? That was. Killer? I think that was Bronson. Um, and he had um, Killer Mike. I think was doing translation for an opera singer or something, and like a <laughs> okay. Viking hat. Like, right, right. You know, he, he never, he never let anybody straight up perform. Right. John Wayne plugged in with no, with no, not Nothing being plugged in. <laughs> the John right. Wayne shared this class. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Now, does your does the comedy show that you're working on does it go that far you know out there or is it what kind of comedy is it? I mean, it's 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 a stand up showcase mostly, so it's literally all kind of different styles. Okay. Um, the whole the whole uh, thrust of it is that there's different points of view within black comedy, so you know it's like all styles represented. Okay. Do you have some stand up in the chamber too? Are you uh... new? Zero. Zero. I will not be standing up. <laughs> I will be sitting down. I, I assumed you had like two minutes, like when necessary. Okay. I do have two minutes when necessary, but I never do them. <laughs> See, it's funny because one of the things that you allude to a couple times in your music is that you don't, you're bad at sarcasm. You don't have, I think you have such a great sense of humor. I almost wonder if sometimes saying you don't have sarcasm is sarcastic. No, I'm really, I'm terrible at sarcasm. And like, oh and I don't, hey, hey, can you guys keep it down a little bit? Um, was that sarcastic? I'm, I'm te no, it wasn't. Straight <laughs> ahead, see? Um, and um, hey, like, I don't like it when people like are sarcastic with me because right. I, I'm very gullible and I fall for it every time. <laughs> like, I, like I, I'm not good with irony. Like, I'm, I need everyone around me to, I prefer everyone around me to be sincere because I go right. for it and I believe the things that people say to me. Right. You are a Scorpio. Need yeah, but what does that have to do with? What does that have to do with? It? I don't know. What does that mean? Every Scorpio I've ever met needs a direct and to the point. They don't want to beat around oh. the bush. You know what I mean? Okay. They're all, I didn't they're know all that. women, so maybe it was a little different. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop doing all that bush beating, dude. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just tell me what you want for dinner tonight, right? Right. 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 Good question. You guys are on a song together with Slug. 
And is this the yeah. first time you guys are talking? Huh. Like, uh, the, or you guys have uh, talked over the phone? And I'm just curious about how that came together because I really don't know. This is not a setup question. I do not know. So it's it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but we met. You were tr- touring with uh, Doomtree, and it was uh, a show in D.C. at U Street Music Hall on Valentine's Day. It was a Saturday, and so. Uh, my girlfriend at the time now my wife it was like the first valentine's day we'd spent together it was the first show that she'd ever come to and i was like look when my set's over i need i love you like hang out with your brother so i need to make time to go talk to open mike eagle because i want to just tell him i'm a huge fan i also want to try and get an interview with him for the podcast after my set and then after your set you were standing over at the merch table and i saw you looking at your phone i was like i was the most fucking nervous dude i was like i I never went up and talked to you and i've hated myself for doing it ever oh my god that's uh, yeah i I mean there was like nobody at that show though right that was like a really terribly that show was terribly attended wasn't it no here's the crazy thing if i remember correctly when we it was a saturday in february in dc and uh I know you're from Chicago. You don't deal with this out in L.A. It was like 50 degrees when I was driving down there. Literally, as the show was going on, about eight inches of snow fell on the ground within like a two-hour window. So there, wow. was, a, there was a ton of people for your, my set and your set, and it sort of leveled off. But there was, there was probably like six or 700 people there in a thousand really? cap room. Yeah, it was, it was, it was actually no, – no, wait. It was sold out, but a lot of people didn't get in until, like, there was a lot of people for you and I, and then because of the snow, a lot of people didn't get in until, like, two songs in the Doomtree set. Oh, I remember this now. And there was a okay. – they had double booked, uh, and but they do a good job of it. So, like, right at 11 o'clock, they had, like, a, a rope that had the people from the one show going out, people from the next show coming in. If you remember that, but I remember like uh, I was, nope. I, I talked to you a little bit after the show with uh, Sims and Mike and uh, I gave you guys copy of the CDs and I was like, yeah, I just should have, I should have just said, yo, I'm a huge fan. I hope to cross paths with you again. Well, we, yeah, we got the internet, man. So we can cross paths every day on Absolutely. the Twitter box. Right. So cross it, paths. It, to Chuck's question, it's funny because I'd hit you up about doing something uh, on a record I put out called with. And uh, did it work in your time frame? I couldn't tell if it was a play way of saying I never want to talk to you ever again. But I, oh my way. god! <laughs> so he's just really I, revealing himself right now. And I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to get this open. That's, that's what I thought. Well, so when I hit, uh, I've known Slug for a long time, and so when I got, he and I were working on a song, and I was like, "Yo, you, I, you know, I think a third person would be really good on this. What do you think of Open Mike Eagle?" And I know he'd been on your podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, that would be a bucket list thing because I've always wanted to work with him. So when I sent you the emails, I made sure in the subject line, Slug wants to do a song with you. That- <laughs> it definitely worked. Right? Right? No, I mean, your verse is fantastic. I'm very happy. Thanks, with man. No, that song came out great. I bumped it uh, today earlier when you when you sent it to me, man. That sounds great. Dope. I'm glad you're happy with it. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I know. It's funny because I've known about you for a long time, and I knew that eventually when our paths crossed, you might be so busy that something like that wouldn't, wouldn't work out. So I appreciate you taking the time to make it happen, man. It was really no, dope. dude, thanks for reaching out and making it happen, man. Absolutely. And Slug's a huge fan of yours. I mean, I know you guys talked quite a bit uh, during your podcast, but he had such good things to say about you. Yeah, that's my dude, man. Like That's, that's like my buddy. I was just in Minneapolis um, about a month ago, man, and me and him were just like, in the in the garage at First Avenue, just laughing our heads off, man. Right, just chatting like I, I really, I really, um, yeah, that dude's he's a good dude, man. I like that guy. Absolutely, lyric somewhere, right? That Sean already wrote about the modern man. Am I correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, <clears throat> it's interesting because I know uh, the three of us are big Atmosphere fans, and during that like early two thousand, like up to like two thousand six period. Uh, you know, Scribble Jam and all those things were happening. What were you up to during that time period? I know you were releasing records, but like, I, I don't, I know you weren't getting involved with the battles or anything like that. Were you touring? <laughs> no. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was in college uh, trying not to get kicked out um, and doing a lot of things that weren't as important as being at Scribble Jam like I should have been. 
but I didn't know that at the time. I was very, very dumb and didn't realize that um that I should do that. Like and that's it's funny, I just you know, I was telling somebody about this yesterday. Like I feel like everything I'm doing in my career I could have did five years earlier if I had started going to scribble gym. But I just completely slept on all of that. See, it's interesting because I feel like I mean, I loved Scribble Jam. I thought the experience was great, but I feel like a lot of it was networking within a circle that eventually you didn't necessarily need access to because of the internet's place. If that makes any sense. Plus, yeah, no. Go ahead. No, I say I, I definitely feel that too. But like, I think the way the the type of rapper that I was. Um, bred to be i guess especially at that time and like that like the scribble jam experience like when i was a cypher rapper and a break dancer and like that was what I, that was where i should have been you know what i mean like it just it, it thinking back how just weird it was that there was like this festival devoted to the thing that i spent most of my free time doing and i never thought to go and you were in chicago at the time well i was in southern illinois for most of that okay yeah. Did you, but it was did, still that it's just as easy to get there. Did you make a conscious choice to never go or just never? No, I just was stupid. Like I just couldn't <laughs> see past my nose at the time. Like right. I don't know what I was doing. Right. How old are you? you don't mind 36. Me. 36. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm 38. We're all about the same age. It's crazy how uh, those circles all run together. I and mean, you see like no can do. You know, taking off after that. I mean, it definitely did a lot of stuff for people's careers, but I feel like yours is doing just fine. I don't know. It is. And, and I definitely have found my own lane and, and, and way to, like, you know, have a career, which is which is super fortunate. But um, that's just like one of my one regrets is that I didn't I wasn't smart enough to realize that I should be there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. I really think could have just you would have been battling. Yeah, absolutely. I would have been all in it. Like you, you would have heard of me because I would have been in the battles. I would have been in the ciphers. Like that was my life at that time. Like that's all I ever wanted to do. Well, you mentioned when you were at like that was sort of where you got the name Open Mike from the social aspect of it, from you know people knowing that you did that. You mentioned that you were in all the battles. Did you get in battles like in Chicago or when you were in L.A.? Yeah, I got in in, in Chicago for sure. In in the college town I was at, I mean, and I was in I was in that town for like six years. So like, okay. you know, I became part of the hip hop fabric of that town. Like, um, and then a little bit out here in L.A. But by the time I got out here, the transition had started to like the written battles, and I right. did like I did one of those, um, but I didn't like it. Like, yeah, like hey hey hey. Keep it down, please. He's trying yeah. to battle uh, you, man. He heard no, you. No, he's, he's trying to battle on 2K. <laughs> <laughs> so the written stuff wasn't for you. Like, you, you were more into the freestyle battle stuff. Yeah, like, that's that's where, you know, like, that's how I developed as a rapper was in that. And um, just like I say, like, now I realize I didn't really know how to, how to record in the studio. Right. I didn't really know how to battle like that either. Like, I knew how to battle in the street. Right. And I brought that kind of energy to the written battle, and it didn't translate well at the time. I was just, I was just mad at it. But now I look back and like, oh yeah, that's just a skill set that I hadn't developed. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, were you ever into like typical cats and Quell and Quasar? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Quasar is one of my homies, man. Oh really? So I've I'm always yeah. been a huge fan of those guys. And it was interesting because at at the time I went to Scribble Jam, I think Quell might have been my favorite rapper. And like wow. seeing him trying to be in the battle, and it was just clear that it wasn't his lame but i felt like he knew it and he was just doing it to get out there because he was like i gotta get people to listen to how ridiculous my songs are right uh, you coming from the angle of like yeah i was doing that at that time and i was nice it would have been good to see you back then too yeah it was it was a different uh, certainly a different presentation in the way people know me now like i was i had a brain filled with punchlines for like any occasion um and I, I would just, I, I rap for days, man. I rap for days, dude. Like, I used to hold down ciphers. I used to do very well in battles. Um, and I'm like super soft on all that now. Like, I don't even have the energy to do all that now. But that was, that was my prime of doing it. And I, and I should have made sure that I was, you know, at least in the vicinity to do it on that big of a stage. Well, so the people that you were ciphering with and battling back, like in that era, are you still you still build with them? Or are they still doing anything? Uh, I mean, well, I came out here to Project Glow in L.A. and certainly I still build with the people I was ciphering with at that time. Right. Um, 
in Chicago, like a few heads, but that, you know, I just, I don't get back there enough. And then even, you know, a lot of the cats that I was freestyling with back then, they all do different things now. Like very right. few of them actually still, um, and you Quasar know. is out in Cali, no? Is he, he Quasar is, he's either like inland in Cali or he's in Arizona somewhere. I can't remember. It's definitely down here, but it's not like L.A. All right, so the question I really want to know the answer to is in the 150 unreleased tracks, you, you guys have a collab together? Is there any Quasar? No, no. And I, like, it was, I only, like, there's really only unreleased collabs from, like, my first album era. And that was mostly just, like, Project Lowcast with stuff that I didn't put out. Um, I haven't, I don't really reach out to a lot of people for collabs unless I'm already, like, pretty confident about the song and where it's going. So, uh, a lot of those, I don't, I don't kind of let those sit. I tend to put them out. So, when's the new album drop? September fifteenth. Okay. You're going right on tour, right? I think I saw you're at the Knitting Factory in September in New York. Yeah, uh, that's the twenty. I'm at the Knitting Factory. Twenty six. Yep. Yeah, I'll be there. The very next awesome. night, you're going to be down in DC at the Black yep. Cat. Well, it's September twenty yep. seventh, and we will be there for sure. Man. Yep. Incredible. Yes, indeed. That's that's great to hear. And you're with uh, now. I know Milo is AKA Scallops Hotel. He's on that uh -huh. tour too, right? Yeah. Okay, that's exciting, man. So you guys, you know, like the song you have, Idaho. I mean, it's obvious. Who are you? Who's the passenger that fell asleep sitting next to you? Was it Milo? Oh, or you guys touring around man. the country? Uh, I don't think that was any person. Okay, I it's think, an amalgamation of all the, the tour people. Yeah, because that whole that that song was originally part of a suite, um, of like this show after show after party. Uh, let's drunkenly decide to drive to the next town now. Right. Then end up in a car accident. There was like five songs, yeah. and Idaho was like near the end of that, and um, ended up scrapping the rest of it, but just keeping Idaho on there. But it was all like it was fictional, but based in like the day to day reality of touring kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of those songs where I feel like too many comedians get into their. They, they are comedians comedian to the point where like regular people don't find them funny people that aren't comedians I feel like you know there's been some people that have written tour songs that are just too it, it, the, you know someone who's never toured doesn't really understand it when I heard Idaho I was like Yo, I want to play this for everybody I know that's never been on the road because it expresses it so concisely but you know but also the thing about that song and, and I think about that whole suite was that like I was trying to tell the story in a way where it was all also like a metaphor for something. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, Traveling through life. Right. And, 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 and kind of like trusting people and, um, right. And, and, you know, me saying I can do it and I really can't. And the danger <laughs> that put us in like all of that, like, and then I yeah. tried to keep it that, that broad, even in a sense of a very specific kind of setting, you know? Right. Brilliant song. Brilliant. Thanks, man. Um, what else? I, I got a, I got a million <laughs> questions, Steve. I feel like Steve. I feel like you're, you're. Yeah. Uh, I've been very quiet. Right. No, I'm just. Uh, it's cool. I'm, I'm just enjoying you guys running this interview. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Sorry, sorry for taking over, man. So what's up with? Project I like your mustache shirt, Steve. Hey, thanks, bro. That's that's Serengeti shirt. That is. That's Kenny. It's the KDs. It's the KDs. Old dolls, huh? <laughs> Cracking old dolls. Yeah. Old dolls, course. No, Jules. I, that's another dude we had. I know, uh, like you did. Jules. Right? Yeah, we did. The, you did a whole record with him, Time and Materials. Yeah. Uh, that's somebody yeah. who's. I, I mean, his career is crazy. How did it you is. guys cross paths? We went to college together too. Me, him, and Hannibal went to college Get together. Out of here. Wow. Like on the yeah. same floor? No, <laughs> uh, okay. Dave uh, is a is a little older than me, so he got to to the school I think a year or two before I did. So. Uh, by the time I got there, he was the dude on campus who already like had songs and would we, and when the off campus shows would happen, like like he'd have like a real like concert, like he'd have right. a show. Right. Um, and we kind of bonded over mutual love of MF Doom at the time. Okay. And then um, I always just you know always just kind of kept in touch. Just really became good friends uh, later on. Yeah, he's a very interesting cat. What was working with? What was it like working with him in Time and Materials? Uh, it was it was different, man, because he's a he's a guy who does a lot of writing, and then 
um, matches to beats later. And like I said, I don't do that. So it's like a very, you know, I I, huh. I didn't do it that way because I don't do it that way. But I came with a kind of writing style that was very in the moment to kind of match um, his energy on that and for us to kind of find like a mutual space in that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like, you know, we've we've actually talked about pretty much every rap duo that there's there ever been. Like, Smith and Weston had, like, a certain cohesion that was very natural. And I feel like, unfortunately, you don't see a lot of rap duos out now. So when people make an entire record together, like Slug and Merce, or, like, you know, it's really got to be the right match to hold the audience, uh, listener's attention for six or eight mm -hmm. songs. And That's true. You know, the different styles that you guys have on that record alone, I always think about, like, if I didn't speak English, that would be such an ill sonic record from a mm -hmm. language standpoint because it's so different. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's, we try to do a lot of that where like it wasn't so much about the words; it was like more about an energy that we were trying right. to like get across in those songs. Right. You got it across, man. Another another banger. Thanks, man. You just got to do a song with Cool Keith now. Yeah, you know, I would love to. And but next time I'm invited to, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that gift horse right in the mouth, man. Okay. I'm gonna okay. ask a ton of questions next time. Let me right. hear his verse first. Just, right. just, just, <laughs> <laughs> Can I see this in writing, sir? Right. Yeah, right. Like that. Uh, so you know, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, man. We know you're busy. Uh, if there's any, where can people find your music? Uh, just everywhere where they still have music. So like. Apple Music and the Spotify's and the Bandcamp's. Mm. Um, you know, you can always keep up with me at MikeEagle.net and at Mike underscore Eagle on Twitter. Um, I'm on all the socials. I like to have my music everywhere where music is. Um, if you're interested, check it out at, at via the platform with which you are most comfortable. Mm. So, I mean, I always think about it like this, too, when we have a guest on. It was like... We had Odyssey on. Someone's like, how do you spell it? I'm like, shit. Like, you know, it's a little bit different. Than what it actually is. <laughs> just open Mike Eagle is just open the name Mike and then Eagle spell. It's just yep. all spelled. Yeah, you know just, what I mean? So Yeah, M-I-K-E. No M-I-C. If you if you put M-I-C, you're, uh, you'll get arthritis instantly. It's a curse. <laughs> Google. That I've, and the new I've album, on Brick Body Kids Still Daydream, is available when? September 15th. September. You're still doing the podcast too. Is Secret Skin more episodes? But there's still at least a lot up there. Very good episodes. Very great interviews. Definitely. Thank you, man. I I'm I'm trying to find a way to continue to do that. I have a lot of um, good ideas and thoughts on deck for that. It's more about me finding the right business situation to keep that moving. You have t-shirts right. left. You got Mr. T-shirt. Oh, T-shirt. He never. His, his T-shirt is ever living. <laughs> he's so mad he can't talk to the people right now. He's got so much to say. The, the Razkaz interview where he talks about how Sean oh, Price kind of got his style. Yeah, I had at least two of my friends credit me for the story in a conversation, and then be like, "Chuck, tell him that thing about how Sean Price got his style." <laughs> it's definitely from an open mic eagle pocket. <laughs> Like, you excite me. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm in the like, footnotes. Dude, I'm, yo, I'm, you're deep in the footnotes because I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I cannot take credit for this. You have to hear the whole thing to hear it. But as uh, you know, as hardcore hip hop fans like we are, and, and lyricism fans, and obviously everyone loves Sean Price. Like, it was such a great, uh, you know, unobstructed view of I? someone from his inner circle talking about him. And for you to capture that, I was like, that those are the moments that we die for in this podcast. You know, and and, I, and that's the thing, too, because going into that interview, the last thing I expected was a story about Sean Price. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that they knew each other, and I knew they had worked together, but it's just, you know, I don't know. Like, when it comes to that era of hip-hop, people who were in the business at that time, like, and I get a lot of this listening to Drink Champs, too. Like, you just have no idea how much those people saw each other. Right, right. And, like, were in the same places and had relationships that weren't necessarily represented by, like, the songs they were putting out at the time. You know, like, you, all that's really like, eye-opening to me. Well, then, drink right. champs is crazy. Yeah, drink, cha I, drink champs is is crazy, man. They get really, really drunk. In there. Yeah, they get super <laughs> they wasted. Get super wasted. I've only ever heard the snippet that's on Mogul, mm -hmm. right? Where they they play like the Noriega. Yep. And, okay, uh, I forget who else is on, but they're talking about it. I feel like I gave you five that you should check out. I think you did. Can you resend that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're amazing. Like, the, the, like you know, and I haven't listened to it much lately, but I had a string where I listened to probably like. Probably every week for like fifteen or twenty weeks, I was, I was probably, checking for that podcast. I was podcast. in the same boat. Yeah, I was like, 
Yeah. I, I maybe heard the DMX one and then went back. I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I think the first one I heard was the one right before the DMX one. It was uh, it was Ja Rule and Jadakiss. That one was crazy. And that too. was incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I was just stuck with it for like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and it eventually ended up not checking for it. I don't remember why. What other podcasts do you check out? Out of curiosity, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so Interesting. Okay. most of the podcasts I listen to are old wrestlers talking to each other. Okay, okay. What about the Peter Rosenberg guys? Yeah, what about podcast? yeah? That, uh... I stopped listening to his now that he's actually he actually works for the WWE because now he's officially insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Peter. backstory is Cole and I went to college with Peter and definitely right. was like freestyled on the show. And so it's always <laughs> I, I've always been like very happy for everything he's doing in his life as, as anyone would be for someone that they knew. Well, I always say, but it's know, interesting to hear. I, I knew there was a tipping point out there. Yeah, you know, that was mine. Like I'm, and I and I I love him. He's living the dream because I'm a big fan too mm-hmm. of wrestling, and he's you know he's a big fan of hip hop and a supporter of all that. I love um, Peter as a cultural force, but I had to stop listening to his podcast about wrestling once he started working for the WWE. That's how I felt when he went on Hot 97, but like, I agree. I just want to support him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Chuck and I essentially got him fired from a radio station. You remember that? How? All right, so Ron and Fez were on uh, a station around here called 106.7. So 106.7 is pretty big uh, FM-wise, but they don't do a lot of syndicated shows, right? So like uh-huh. their their Sunday night programming is it you know for a while it was pretty local and then they eventually went all sports but anyway when Peter was there on a Sunday night he was like why don't you and uh, Chuck come up here and battle so we did but then uh, later on he got fired by Don and Mike this like the kingpins of the radio station because you're like you weren't supposed to let those dudes in here without them like signing a waiver or some shit oh wow had you ever heard that Chuck I don't think I had I was like well, as you I was like do tell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I obviously remember the day. It was the, it was a weird like who is the best white rapper in Chocolate City? It was called the Cracker Rap Off. Oh god. That's terrible. Why did that happen? Terrible. That's, That's a terrible. terrible. Thing to do. And uh, I remember that Cole and I had like ridden to the show together and then battled. And uh, the thing I remember about it was my first verse was entirely about the ride over. Right. <laughs> I was trying to plan a plan a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, you know, it's interesting. So, like, that's. Uh, when I think about the people we went to college, we'd get to go to college with PMD, Napoleon the Legend, Stanley Ibkiss. Like, it's crazy how those, I mean, the people that you were mentioning from your college, it's, it's crazy how that all comes back together in the future. Hmm. Speaking of which, we hope you come back in the future. Thank you for your time this evening. Yeah, gee, sure, thanks yeah. for having me, man. Yeah, definitely. You want? Can we drop a song? Can we play a new song? The Brick Body Complex? Yeah, go for it. Drop man. it? Cool. Open Mike Eagle, everybody. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. A rapper, my motherfucking name is Michael Eagle I'm sovereign, I'm from a line of ghetto superheroes I holler, I got something to bring to your attention Attention, 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 attention I promise you I will never fit in your descriptions I'm giant, don't let nobody tell you nothing different They lying, a giant in my body is a building A building, a building, a building no services underground, no sound when I'm calling home City broken, my brother's down, now I'm standing here all alone Sunrise of my monochrome, but my hollow bones David Bowie told me I'm not alone, now I'm overgrown with these model homes Still here if it's hot or cold, still here if my body move Still standing on Cottage Grove, still do what I gotta do Stone tablet on stone tablet, I'm old granite, I'm not a tomb Y'all can move this whole planet, I'll hold fast and I'll follow through, I promise you to shelters, basement Always early morning, Sunday, midnight, all day Do what the adults say, don't engage in play. People speak in tongues 
Don't call me naked, a rapper My motherfucking name is Michael Eagle I'm sovereign, I'm from a line of ghetto Superheroes, I holler I got something to bring to your attention Attention, 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 attention I promise you I will never fit in your descriptions I'm giant, don't let nobody tell you nothing different They lying, a giant in my body gives a building A building, a building, a building My other name is 3925 Make sure that my story's told 16 or so stories high Destructed 55 years ago Went to weather, yeah, here we go Shot town in my building cold Stood here for 10 million snows Wind chilled is all in my bones Indivisible, indivisible Kids and criminals, young and old No, radiated my dungeon cold Thunder humping you something slow 20 down and just one to go City say they gon' knock me down Still wearing my iron hood Told y'all you won't stop me now Call me naked, a rapper My motherfucking name is Michael Eagle I'm sovereign, I'm from a line of ghetto Superheroes, I holler I got something to bring to your attention Attention, 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 attention I promise you I will never fit in your descriptions I'm giant, don't let nobody tell you nothing different They lying, a giant in my body gives a building A building, a building, a building Shelters, basement, always early morning, Sunday, midnight, all day. Do what the adults say, don't engage in horseplay. People speak in tongues. Mama's in the basement, smoking something. We grew up in hazes, projects, dungeons, graduation lunches. Try to make us something, see what we become. A rapper, my motherfucking name is Michael Eagle I'm sovereign, I'm from a line of ghetto superheroes I holler, I got something to bring to your attention Attention, 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 attention I promise you I will never fit in your descriptions I'm giant, don't let nobody tell you nothing different They lying, a giant in my body is a building A building, a building, a building